Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward. everyone welcome back to paranormal heart i'm your host cat ward folks the show is growing every day i'm getting new listeners and positive feedback all the time and i want to thank you so much for that uh, don't forget to keep that feedback coming drop me a message at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com hey, even if it's just to say hey i would really like to hear from you so don't forget look for the show on youtube under paranormal heart as well as conflict radio Podbean, Black Swamp Digital Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, as well as TuneIn. My next guest for Episode 9 has an odd and unique background. He's worked with fighters in mixed martial arts, boxing commentary fields. He's now six years deep into investigating the paranormal. He says he's looked fear in almost every eye it has and loved every bit of it because it's placed him among some incredibly kind and brilliant people who he'd otherwise never have had the chance to know. But my favorite background of his, he was also a stand-up comedian. I think those are just amazing backgrounds. And I'm honored to have him on to talk about his paranormal experiences, so please help me welcome Ron, the Yak Man, Yakovetti. Hi, Ron. Welcome to the show. Hey, good to talk to you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, we've worked very hard to make this moment happen. Oh, that we have. Just to give you listeners a little background on what's been going on, um, I, th I used to live in Alberta and moved to Ontario. While we're in Alberta, I think we rescheduled what, Ron, three times? Yeah. Be because yeah. I had severe weather where we had hail. The first time there was a tornado touchdown about 40 minutes from me. Um, so it's like, quick message, can't do it. We, like, we have hail, I talk to you later. And then shortly after that, we lost power for a bit. And then I think two days later, we thought, okay, good to go, let's record. And we were talking, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, I like we kept losing connection. I'm like, what's going on? And another nasty storm. And then, yeah, three times, and I thought, if this doesn't work, I'm going to start sacrificing chickens because <laughs> we're, I'm starting to think this interview wasn't meant to be. Yeah, well, I was confident today would be okay because there was no fire falling from the sky and no locusts. So. <laughs> no kidding. Okay, well, I already... that's a good thing on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. Okay, well, in the uh, intro, I said a little bit about yourself, about you. So why don't you just, before we jump in, tell us a little bit about what's going on with you, and then you can tell us about your experiences. All right, excellent. Um, so I'm uh, six to seven years worth of experience doing uh, paranormal investigating, I've uh, started, I'm, I'm in New Jersey in the United States. I started during a 14-year period uh, within which I lived on the West Coast in Southern California. Uh, I was with a group called PARA, P-A-R-A, for a while, um, uh, only not with them because I moved out of the state. And I did a lot of stuff with a, a friend of mine who runs a group called SIU out of Pasadena, California, a supernatural investigation unit. 
um, who actually him and his and his girlfriend Pamela just visited uh, New Jersey or New York City and New Jersey for the first time, and I was able to set up a real really cool investigation which we can touch on at some point. Oh sure. Uh, when he was here, and so now when I got back here, I was with uh, Central Jersey Paranormal Research Group. They uh, disbanded. Um, two of the folks that founded it moved to Pennsylvania, and then now I am working with a group. Uh, called Ghost Magnets with a Twist out of Beacon, New York. And for a brief period, I was, uh, was doing some work with uh, Barefoot Paranormal out of uh, New Milford, West Milford, New Jersey, rather, in New Jersey. And, and, and every one of those groups, let me just kind of blanket statement, great people, knowledgeable people, fun people to do it with. So if you had a chance to look up any of those groups, uh, please do, and, and look at some of their evidence and how they conduct themselves. And nice. there are some of the people who make the field look good. Yeah, because we both know that a lot of times in the para community, there's a lot of drama. So when you find a good team with a bunch of great people, it makes it so much better. Yeah, no, I know the drama stuff. I see it. I see it more than I want to see it. I don't like to partake in it. It's as soon as skeptic and believer becomes Republican and Democrat, I'm done. It's <laughs> like you know. Yeah. You can't. You can't be on a party line just because that's your agenda. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Our end goal is the same, so to me, just investigate and cut down on the on the drama. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you'll find that those things aren't exclusive to people who are in the paranormal field. Oh those are no, people. it's everywhere. You know, yeah, those are people who would do that if you put them into, you know, if they were stamp collectors, they would be going, ah, that's not an original Washington stamp you got there. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, it's clearly been fudged. There's you know, there's sticky stuff on the back. And, all right. Yeah, like I tell my kids. Um, when you have kids that are acting that way, uh, it's the same thing with grown-ups. They're just in grown-up bodies. Yeah. So you're yeah, no, always going to sure, have so. it. To me, one of the things that kind of makes it worse or feeds this, and I said this before on, on, a, on various other occasions, is one of the things that has helped move the field forward at the same time also kind of set it back, and that's some of the technological involvement and advancement. Mm -hmm. Because now, not only is it more uh, versatile for you to be able to go out and try to collect evidence, communicate with spirits, show that you're getting responses or whatever, beyond, you know, a real real cassette tape or digital recorder for EVP, uh, but you also have a higher level of advancement with people who can either hoax or, or fake evidence. And I'm not suggesting I know anybody who's specifically done that, but... The accusations fly more freely now because of the ability to do that is more available to people who are in the field. It's the same thing where to, to edit or produce uh, visual content for TV and, and graphics and stuff it used to be something you had to have a, a, a huge multi-million dollar studio to do. Yeah, people are doing it now at home on their on their Apple computers, or it's, so it's a whole different a whole different setting, and it and it affects moving things forward with the ability to garner evidence, but it also it still kind of garners doubt and skepticism among people because they think everybody's faking everything. Yeah, exactly. And even with phones, like your cell phones, there's an app for everything now. Right. Yes, there are, and there's a lot of ghost hunting apps, uh, some of which are, I think are, are possible to be legit, some of you know, which you know, they say they're for entertainment purposes. People who, who are skeptical and like to debunk everything will jump on that entertainment purposes line only, and what they don't realize is the same reason that people who make uh, detergents for dishes or for clothes say virtually spotless. Yeah. If they say spotless, you're going to ask for your money back because there's a spot it didn't get. Exactly. 
whether it's blood, red wine, vinegar, whatever it is. So it's a, it's a, can I say ass? It's a cover. I'm saying it anyway. Of I'm asking and saying the word at the same time. That's bizarre. <laughs> it's a cover your ass statement <laughs> that people do that. And so, and that's understandable. So, you know, and, and plus, even if it works, if somebody uses something to communicate and then they start having some kind of bad activity in their home, the developer doesn't want to be on the hook for it. They're just trying to help enable, create something, you know, of course, make a buck if they're, if they're charging for it. Yep. Some of them are free. Yep. Have you ever had any, have you ever used any of the apps on, on cell phones? I, um, on cell phone or tablet, yeah, there's a couple apps that I like to use. And oh, in recent times, I've seen a, a wave of skepticism coming towards some of them. And look, you, you always want to scrutinize and kind of understand what you're using. Mm. But at the same time, to me, the, the, the difference, the, the hair that splits between credible skepticism or skeptic and incredible or absurd is the word that is often used when it's said as a sentence, but when it's applied, not so much, which is when you're doing paranormal investigating, before you jump to something being supernatural or paranormal or spiritual, you want to first exhaust every possible, here's the key word, rational explanation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people whose agenda is so dead set on debunking and disproving everything they just explain it the way they think they can explain it, and they don't always include the, the aspect of being rational about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which to me is crazy because you can't do that. Like in any other, I can't go to work one day and tell my boss, hey, listen, I'm late. I'm sorry. You know, there's bad traffic. There's an accident. You can look it up online and see it, and then she can see it, right? Mm -hmm. I can't. I could do that, but I can't go in and go, you're never going to believe this. Last night, late, I go to bed. I get woken up this morning. The Muppets are here. They want to have brunch. We're making <laughs> eggs. <laughs> because it's not rational. Yeah. <laughs> so but I like I like um, I like Echovox a lot. Uh, made by Danny Robert's Big Bird Studios. A lot of people. I'm not trying to plug it a better way. I'm just giving credit to the, the actual people who make it. I've heard of a lot of people um, talk about that one. Echovox is very popular. Um, Johnny Zappas from the Haunted Collector and Brian Cano or Tino also use it. Um, uh, Mark Avila from the Salem Con up in Salem, Massachusetts. Um, Great investigator uses it. Um, a lot of people will use it and have gotten really good results. And then on the flip side too, now I, I, there's a few people that I that I know who are who are on this. They're on a mission to try to debunk it and, and prove that it does this and that. And, and 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 my only caution to anybody who does it is, and I said this to to, to the, these very same people, is you don't want to be George W. Bush. On the aircraft carrier with the mission accomplished banner behind you going the war's over when it's not even close mm, yeah the word prove is a very distinct and definitive word you can create reasonable doubt proving is something else yeah uh, so now for my personally i don't like to use my cell phone during investigations because i feel my cell interferes with the other equipment so how do how do you feel about that it absolutely can. Some of the stuff is sensitive to it. I've seen uh, EMF detectors yep. going off, and then it turns out that it's just somebody who didn't put their phone on airplane mode or shutting it off. Um, if you use a, a phone or even a tablet, for those apps, I tend to use either uh, a Windows tablet for an app called PhasmaBox that I, I like to use. Um, and I also like EchoBox, and I'll use it on either an Android or a, an Apple tablet. Um, one of the reasons is because those 
devices like my Android tablet doesn't have a data plan, so it's not connected to cell towers and all that kind of stuff. I'm not getting signal that way, mm -hmm. for one. You know, for two, airplane mode is, by definition, meant to cut those interfering signals off. Yep. Some people will say, oh, even if it's on airplane mode, it's still commuting. No, it's not. If, if it's on Wi-Fi, then yes, it is another version of that. But otherwise, no. Um, and EchoBox is really designed to work like real-time EVP, where it records the sound, and then it kind of loops through and cycles through out of the speaker into the microphone, and it captures the room in more than one cycle through. Hmm. Um, I'm gonna I have like, to give. I'm gonna have to give that one a try. I like it. Um, I like using some of those. I also like using SpearFox. I'm, I'm big on ITC. Um, there's, there's some people in the field are doing uh, tremendous work. There's a, a gentleman named Flip Searles out of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. yep. um, he's got a group called Dead Is Not The End uh, with another guy named uh, Ray Savino. Got really, really knowledgeable, really, really smart people. Very fun to investigate. By the way, if you investigate with Flip Searles and you tell me you were bored, you didn't investigate <laughs> with Flip. It's impossible. Um, really, really good guy, really fun, and he knows his stuff. And, and so and I can see, just for people to know, it's instrumental trans communication. It means to uh, try to implement communication spiritually using instruments. It does not mean playing guitars and serenading somebody who recently changed gender. Let's get that out of the way. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a really fascinating field, and there are possibilities for false positives, but, you know, you have to use judgment, and you have to try to discern between what would and would not be. You know, people... Uh, came on strong the same way with spirit boxes and stuff, and all it's radio bleed through you're getting. Mm -hmm. All right, if you say, what's my name, and it says cat warp, yeah. and it's cycling through at 150 milliseconds in reverse on the FM spectrum, it's not likely that you're getting that in bleed through because it's not on any station long enough to get it. No, uh, the so odds sometimes, of... Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, the, the odds of that happening are... I can't even calculate it. Yeah, it's statistical probability, and the problem is, is that a lot of times criticisms or efforts to debunk stuff are coming from either a partial or full profile of ignorance. You have to know how something works, mm -hmm. and then go, all right, it does or doesn't work, yep. and then show it. The other thing that I find interesting is that a lot of times in these efforts to debunk stuff, especially with like Echovox and some of the app stuff I've seen recently, is that nobody seems to be able to answer the question. When you get something, they'll say, if you, if you ask a question enough times... Eventually, you're going to get what you want. Yeah. All right. So we're going with the guy at the casino blowing his paycheck mentality. If you stay at the slot machine long enough, you're going to get three lemons and hit. Yeah. All right. So if that's the case, then what is the technical thing that discerns between the 15 times I asked what my name was and didn't get anything and the one time that I did? Mm -hmm. if, if you can't explain that, then you at the very least have not proven anything. You've just created doubt. Uh, we've been on an investigation before where we used the um, the spirit box, and I was never big on the spirit box simply because I don't like the the noise in the background, and to me it's just it uh, d it distracts me and it, it hurts my ears to be honest. And it's a little bit it's a little bit hard to listen to. Yeah, it is, and for me it's very difficult to understand what is coming through because of that noise. But yeah, anyways, so so, so there's I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I, I was going to say that. That one of the things that that uh, that Flip Searles, the way he phrased it, I really like to repeat it and give credit for, mm -hmm. is that you got to kind of train your ear to kind of not be affected by the noise. Yeah. And and almost every time I've ever done an ITC session where I got anything I thought was legit, 
there was always more of it when I listen when I listened to the recording than there was in the moment. Mm-hmm. That usually seems to to be at least with with my experience. Yeah. Hmm. So, what are some of the intense experiences you've had during investigations, or even when you're not investigating? Have you had experiences just of your own? I'll tell you. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I'll tell you uh, one cool story that was before I ever did any paranormal investigating. During the time I lived in Los Angeles, a friend of mine, uh, Lisa Hutchison, she produced some ancient civilizations, mystery kind of specials, whatever, about the Mayans. And mm-hmm. um, Her and her husband bought a studio in, in Hollywood called Radio Recorders. Uh, Orson Welles did World of the Worlds there. Oh, uh, big nice. bands have recorded there, the Beach Boys, Beatles. Like, everybody under the sun had, had been in this place. Lots of history. And so they, Yeah, and they bought it, and her husband would close up at night, and they'd come back the next day, and doors to all the studio rooms were open. He closed them. They would smell cigar smoke. Nobody was in there. They didn't allow smoking when people were in there. Mm-hmm. So I was helping her one time just because I was a fascination. I had a fascination with all this stuff for years um, since I was a kid uh, before I ever did anything with paranormal stuff. And so I was helping her produce a radio show and she had different people in there, people who did astrology, numerology, psychics, whatever. And at the very end of it, the, the host of the show was reading something uh, in one of the soundproof booths that are locked down. Uh, from the copy, and he said, I'm going to do this on my Orson Welles voice. And he clears his throat, and then the microphone, which is like on a right angle, it's a stand coming up, and then there's an arm going straight across in front of him, moved 360 degrees away from him. Oh, actually, 180, I'm sorry. went half a circle away from him. Wow. It, it's hard to do math at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> and it moved away from him on its own. And the sound guy turned around and put his hands up like he was being stuck up at gunpoint, and he goes, <laughs> I locked it down. It's locked down. It didn't do it the whole day. Wow. So that was that was a really weird experience to see. After that, um, another guy who's who's very known on TV, um, his house is called Omen House. His name is David Omen. Mm, um, yes. He and I have become, I've become friends with him. He's a, You'll see him on TV, and depending on who you talk to, people say he's a character or have opinions or whatever. Most people that I know don't have anything bad to say. He's very cordial. He's very... Uh, accommodating he's always been really uh good friend with me and so the last couple of years i go back in november to visit where he used to live in los angeles and he lets he lets me and my girlfriend run rampant and he goes guys so we have dinner with him he'll make food or make dessert or whatever we'll bring something over and then he's just like go he's got cameras all over the house and so we have that location which has been on pretty much every ghost show <laughs> exclusively just the two of us just running around um the first time i ever went there when I lived in Los Angeles in probably around 2012 or so, uh, seven of us watched a, a full-size movie poster with a glass front and a, and a thick frame uh, come off the wall by itself in slow motion, one hook at a time, and then fall forward, and then David caught it. Just the poster or the whole frame? The whole thing. The poster was in the frame yep. with the glass front. So you think uh, if there was an earthquake or any kind of a tremor, it would have slid straight down the wall because it had some heft to it. Yeah. It wasn't, like, really light. Um Came off the wall, slow motion, one hook at a time, and seven of us, give or take, watched it. There's a video on YouTube where we're describing and recounting it. Cameras were running. There was a group that was investigating the house and running the tours, uh, and the cameras literally crisscrossed around that spot because mm-hmm. if, you, if you've seen this house on TV, one of the hot spots is the fish tank where the little figurines like the smoking man and Beetlejuice fall down. Um, so one camera was shooting that. The other one was shooting through the other side of the room. And this little piece of wall that separates the bar that's between the two rooms 
is where the poster was. Hmm. There was no reason to have a camera on that. You can't shoot everything, you know, so we right. didn't have that on camera. So it really sucks that we didn't get the video of it. But, I mean, there's plenty of us who stood there and watched it. Wow. And that's still, that's still kind of a staggering thing when I think about it. Um, I've been, as many people in the, in the field have, so it's not like it's an exclusive thing, but um, I've been pushed, I've been scratched, I've had my elbow pushed off of a, um, off of a table uh, at a place in uh, Orange County, California called the Dr. Willow How Waffle House. It's either How Waffle or Waffle How. Um, and after I said, I think my elbow got pushed, I'm not sure. Someone in the group sent me an EVP afterwards when a voice went, oh, shit. <laughs> so that was... That That's was awesome. Cool. Um, yeah, and I got a, uh, I captured a photo of a full shadow figure in the doorway at the Queen Mary in Long Beach, California. That was... A couple of places I cut my teeth in the field were at the Queen Mary countless times. A gentleman named Matthew Schultz from Power Explorer Project out of San Diego. He used to run the Whaley House. He runs the tours there. He's one of the people, other uh, besides Adam Nodler, who runs SIU, I mentioned earlier, who who taught me a lot when I didn't know anything when I got started, and really does a fantastic job. If you can do an investigative tour that's open to the public, where you have complete novice, never did it before people, who only know what they've seen on TV, and you have people who are experienced investigators, and it's digestible for everybody, mm-hmm. that's perfect. And, and so th- those are guys who can do that. And where are they located again? Uh, Matthew Schultz, he runs the the paranormal investigations on the Queen Mary Mm -hmm. in Long Beach, California, which is my favorite location to go to. Um, And it's typical of of any location, if anybody ever investigates, you know, you can go there a hundred times, you always get evidence, but the few that you get, you know, could be some really compelling stuff. It's just, if you you enjoy the history side of this stuff, um, which I find a lot of historic locations are benefiting from the revenue and foot traffic that they're getting from paranormal groups renting the places or running tours hmm. that they would not otherwise get. And when they're looking at restoration and fixing leaky roofs and stuff like right. that, preserving places, yeah, that's paramount. So ghost hunting in and of itself, just doing that is a commendable field. Um, so he runs the Queen Mary, which is a beautiful, uh, ornate floating piece of history. Um, David Oman's house is just, probably on my list if this question was going to come up at all um i'll answer it now it was going most, to be yes <laughs> the most consistently active place i have ever been to every time i've been to that house six seven times whatever it is uh, eight times uh, every time something not explainable has happened at that house it's amazing no, nothing nothing ever dark or bad that i know of mm-hmm. not always for me but have you heard of any others who had uh, negative experiences there uh, I'm not familiar with any specifically, but you know, a lot of people in the field believe, you know, energy attracts like energy. So if you go in mm-hmm. there with that kind of attitude, or if you go in there provoking or whatever, yep. I know of some people who have gone in and tried to do that. Um, I don't know what what came of it. I, you know, it's it's kind of like some people some people never smoke and get cancer, lung cancer. Some people smoke their whole lives and they die of heart failure at 97. And smoking never affected them. Yep. Or at least if it did, it waited till 97, right? Right. So, so for something like that with negative taunting and treating the spirit world, if you're interacting or trying to do it with any kind of hostility and, and provoking and stuff, that to me, that's the same kind of thing. Maybe you get away with it. Maybe nothing ever happens to you. But if something does, you don't want to find out when it's too late. <laughs> right. 
I've personally known uh, some people who are ex-military here in Canada uh, with um, with uh, with teams, and they had PTSD. And sometimes they would be in in a really bad place at the time, and they said, "I'm sorry, I'm going to have to back out for this investigation because um, I don't want to attract anything." Which you know we we were all appreciative, and I've heard of other team members, you know, other teams who had uh, members that with the same problems and. It would kind of yeah. be kind of be interesting to see what would happen, but I'm not really willing to to risk anyone. No, it's not. It's not. What's what's the gain if you, you know? Yeah. If you you get evidence, you can get evidence without doing that anyway. And, yeah. and I've I've had. This is I I don't. The one thing I've given up on very early on in this field is trying to convince people who don't believe in anything or don't believe in certain things. Yep. Yeah. Um, I've had a negative attachment when I lived in Southern California. From what I was told from a spiritual shaman who helped me get rid of it and another one who helped kind of monitor and make sure I was good. Mm-hmm. Um, from a negative energy kind of a situation with somebody else I was involved with at the time. And it was a great story now. Not so much fun when it happened. Right. It really kind of only reared its head the last week and a half. The first three weeks or so, I guess, of that month, I, I didn't really notice too much. I guess it was a little bit more subtle, but... So when you've been there, you learn to be a little bit more guarded, a little bit more safe, yep. um, grounded. And for sure, I mean, I'm not looking to revisit that scenario. I mean, the fact that it happened once, you know, if you try to find a silver lining, it's a life experience that I wouldn't have otherwise had that taught me something. And that I really, if I have to put a list of things that I can't explain together, that's on it. Now, did this happen before you started investigating? No, this was after I had started, but um, there, there was a hostility level that kind of happened with someone I was involved with back at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I believe, and this was told to me by the both shaman also, that it was born out of that situation, either manifesting, attracted to, or from that person, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's hard to prove that, but I, you know, I don't know that that otherwise would have happened. But, you know, going through that experience, you know, like now it's it's something that, that's an interesting story to tell. But like at the time, there was there was anxiety involved. I was, there was scratching involved. Um, wow. How long did that last? They said it was around for like a month. But it, I guess it took it. It was dark and it was not really powerful, but it was enough to, you know, yeah. to mess with me and stuff. But the pinnacle of it was the scratches. Um when I woke up on my face, um, I had a heat dish thing that looks like a satellite dish or a fan that has a fire safety mechanism. If you bump it, it'll buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, it was going off at the REM pots and still sometimes at that same time period. It didn't do it before that. Um, and up until the point I threw it out, it didn't do it again hmm. after that. Um, but the pinnacle of it was, after all that, that, those are the things that made me think something's wrong. So I called the group leader. He talked to the shaman. She goes, yeah, she verified, you know, validated something was going on. This is Thursday. She said, come see me Saturday morning. We'll get rid of it. We'll take care of it. Not a problem. I was like, all right, great. The Friday in between those two days, um, I, I picked up my son from, uh, from his mom's. His mom and I are, are no longer together. We're very. She's still one of my best friends, her and her husband now. She's remarried. Mm-hmm. Um, still two of my best friends. And they have a three-year-old that I babysit now who I love to death. Um, just to kind of paint the picture that divorces don't always have to be ugly. True. Um, moving on. And so 
I, I, he was like six or something or whatever, I forgot at the time, and I pick him up, and I named five items we're going to stop at the supermarket to pick up really quick on the way home. And when we got into the supermarket, two of the items that I named literally slid or popped off the shelf and landed at my feet. Well, no. And that's not usually my supermarket experience. <laughs> no, I don't imagine. Yeah. Did you? And I literally, one of them was a package of American cheese that popped out of the bin over the little wall mm-hmm. and hit the floor. And the other one was a loaf of bread that slid out. I watched it slide out. I cannot impart enough that I believe that not everything is paranormal. <laughs> I'm on the fence in a lot of instances. I like to, you know, to, to know. But unless somebody knew what was going on and knew I was an investigator and decided to be on the other side of the thing sliding bread through, if that's even possible, <laughs> I don't know if the shelf goes through. It slid out from the second shelf out from the other loaves and hit the floor in front of me. Wow, and no other loaves? No. Wow. What, what did your son say to that? I don't know if he noticed. He was very young at that time. Oh, you're right. Six. Um, yeah. Yeah, he might, have, he might not even realize it until we got to it and it was on the floor. He might have been looking around. I don't know. Um, I've since told him about it, and then his, his jaw remained open for a few moments. <laughs> As, as it should. Yes. From that kind of an experience, whether you have coupons or not, that doesn't <laughs> usually slide off the shelf. <laughs> no. Well, someone's trying to help your grocery shop, um, you know, a little quicker, perhaps. Yeah. I should have went looking for a couch. You may have to carry it up. <laughs> that would be awesome. Come home, it's built. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you go from being a stand-up comedian to paranormal investigator? I make a lot of bad choices. Let me say that. Um, you know what? I've, I've had, my life is crazy. I've had opportunities through stuff I've done to be a part of some very unique niche markets or fields. Mm-hmm. Um, Stand up, I was always fascinated with. I was a very not in front of the camera person. Um, I had a chance in college to do a public speaking uh, exam and they gave us choices. Uh, for whatever reason, the guy included stand up comedy and I took a stab at it. I liked it. Um, started doing it, did pretty well with it, did it for close to a decade. Um, and the experience I wouldn't trade for anything because anything I've ever done, you could put me in a nine to five job or you could put me on a stage in front of millions of people and I'm good. I can address audiences of two people or two million people or anywhere in between. It's a really good skill that allows you to connect with people. I believe some of what I got from that helps me when I try to do communication sessions in this field. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also done sports casting for boxing and mixed martial arts, which is um, different promotions that are not part of, but have produced talent for the Ultimate Fighting Championship or the UFC. Um, and and that, that aspect of having humor, I think, works in a lot of different ways, and it's given me uh, an identity. When I broadcast, when I do anything, it's given me a personality that's kind of uniquely mine. And, mm-hmm. and I've been in situations where people go, I don't know how you get away with saying that stuff. <laughs> but it's it's... Like anything else, it's a skill. You learn it. I'm not good at everything I do. <laughs> I have a longer list of shit I'm not good at. <laughs> but that's something that I had an affinity for. And I think when you're uh, passionate about something, when you enjoy something, you tend to to give it a little bit more. And sometimes it comes from a place of personal connection. You're right? It's something you feel like you're good at. Right. So while you're doing stand-up comedy, or even when you were doing the, the MME, have you ever encountered anything? Because you probably weren't into the paranormal yet. But do you know, did you have any experiences then? The, the, the radio studio thing with the microphone moving was during the right. time I was doing comedy. Okay. Um, the, 
other stuff, the, the, the fighting, the, the, the MMA and boxing uh, commentating and hosting and stuff, uh, that did overlap with when I started doing uh, the paranormal investigating stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because there were fighters that I knew who would, they would fight everybody you've ever met. They wouldn't care how much bigger or smaller, but they wouldn't go ghost hunting. Really? Because you can't choke out a spirit. I think this is where the problem uh-huh. comes in. Yeah. You know, Makes you sense. can't kick <laughs> and knock out <laughs> yeah. something that's that's messing with you that you can't touch or see. Um, and some people, it's a very, it's a deep-seated fear. It's, you know, some, it's, a lot of it comes from our uh, root beliefs. You know, some of it's tied to religion. You, just, you yeah. know, there's words that, you know, you hear the Holy Spirit and then you hear the spirit box. Some words have crossover into multiple areas. Mm. And sometimes when that happens, those things hit nerves that go deeper than just what your paranormal beliefs or, or set of values might be. And a lot of times I find, quite simply, the unknown really intimidates people and scares the crap out of them. Yeah, no, that's that's 100% true. Yeah, that's probably as much or more so than anything I just said, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So what kind of, uh, what kind of equipment do you... Do you actually prefer using? Is there a piece in particular? That's a good question. I um, for the longest time, the Spirit Box, the SB7, was my bread and butter. I just love the real time connection of getting something, hearing something, uh, feeling like I'm dialoguing with somebody or something I can't see. Mm-hmm. Um, some people not a big fan of the SB11 that came out after that. I happen to like both. Um, I've been in places when one works, one doesn't, or you feel like it does at least. Uh, probably stuff that has to do with ITC, anything from spirit boxes to SB7s. Uh, I have a, a Memorex video that uh, it's a hack that um, that I've, I've when we were at the Glen Tavern Inn in Pasadena. I'm sorry, in Santa, Santa Paula, California, last year with my friend Adam from SIU, we had his girlfriend and mine spoke. They speak fluent Spanish, mm-hmm. and we were getting responses through that ghost box that were responding in Spanish, like saying C si and stuff. And yep. so he's never gotten Spanish on any of these boxes before, nor have I. Um, so, I mean, is it possible it's radio bleed-through? I don't think so. Not at the speed it was sweeping in reverse, but... That was actually a, you know. a question that I was going to ask you about. Um, do you feel when you do investigations, if you're going to get more hits speaking different languages, depending on where you are? Um, I don't necessarily feel that way because I have one language at the ready, and I'm not always good at that. Um, <laughs> but I try, and that's what really counts, right? Um, no, I mean, I, I, I think in some instances, there have been situations when those kind of things can work as a trigger or they can work. In that case, the, the girls were getting responses in Spanish, Hmm. That we've never seen happen before. Neither one of us, Adam or I, had not, had not experienced that before. Hmm. Um, the place that I took Adam to, this is a nice little segue, when he came to, to New York and stayed here, was uh, we set up an investigation at White Hill Man- Mansion, which is in Fieldsboro, New Jersey. If you're within earshot or drivable distance or you're picking a place to come on the East Coast, the people who run it are really sweet. It's a great place. Um, it's for me the oldest place I've investigated currently. I know there are older places. I found a couple now from people I've talked to, um, but it was built in 1723. That's 53 years before this was the United States of America. Wow, it's old. Um, so the the paranormal dollars are helping restore it and keep it alive. That's cool. Um, that's something to, to to feel good about, right? Not a lot of people's hobbies do that for something significant. Um, 
And the first time I had gone there a year or so before was with a group of 10 people, um, Robert and Sandra Vanoff from Barefoot Paranormal I mentioned before, uh, Chuck Lehman from Chuck's Paranormal Investigations or Adventures. Chuck's a guy who, he had an odd schedule when he started, so he does a lot of stuff on his own, which I know people say don't investigate by yourself. Mm. But for him, it was a, either do this or I don't do it at all kind of thing. And he's a really knowledgeable guy. He's a really nice guy. He knows his stuff. And so he had a couple people together, and there was 10 of us. Chuck set this thing up, and we were running uh, K2s and REM pods and all those kind of things down at the bar area in the basement. Uh, if you watch Paranormal Lockdown with Nick Roth, he did a show there. I think that might be one of the shows that's been there so far. Mm-hmm. And we were getting nothing. There were none of those. Those meters were all flatlined. So if there was anything that was sending impulses or phones or whatever, something would have triggered something yeah. at some point. Not one blip on those things the whole night. Robert Bandoff decides because of the Hessian soldiers having a present there. Um, for those who are not as historically, I guess, knowledgeable with this kind of stuff, and, and includes me because this is how I learned it. Um, Hessians were the German mercenary soldiers that the, the British used uh, during their battles and conquests with George Washington and the troops here um, when they were battling the, what would eventually be the Americans, right? And they come from a, a part of, of Germany that was, I guess it was the H- uh, Hessian castle, and so that's where the name, or Hess castle, so that's where the name Hessian comes from. So anyway, Robert puts on uh, German folk music. And then the lights started coming on. And then we started asking questions, saying, do you like it? Whatever. And, and, and then we were getting responses where the lights were coming on. I was calling out patterns between three different K2 meters to light them up in a certain order, and they were doing it in sequence. That's amazing. I could send you the post. Chuck, Chuck Lehman put something on Facebook after that saying, as long as he's been doing this, that is the only time and the most impressive time he's ever seen K2s being employed in an investigation. I know people use them a lot for the yes no things and stuff like that and it's it's a great way to do stuff if you do that but mm. i've never seen it replicated at this level either before it was it was bizarre i'd love to see that yeah it was it was really bizarre i i think if anybody has footage of it it would be robert bandoff because he's uh he's got cameras set up and, and stuff running like non-stop at a location he's very very thorough at what he does mm. So what's your next project? Any interesting investigations coming up? Um, so the group I'm with now, Ghost Magnets with a Twist, is doing, they started doing some classes um, uh, in, uh, up in Fishkill, New York, near where they're from. So there was just one on EVP and how to do them that was done by a lady named Mary Johnson. It was very well done. Um, they have me teaching one on, on ITC and, and just some of the technical stuff, some of the gear and how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not. This is not to uh, pontificate and, and any of us who are doing these classes to put us on a platform and go, we're the experts, look at us. Nobody's an expert in, in a field where it hasn't actually been proven, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. But what we, what we hope to do is take what experience we have and, and pass it on. And if through passing it on, we learn something that we were wrong about or something that we didn't know before, that's awesome. I think the second a classroom type of an environment in any way becomes one-sided, it's, it's already kind of failing. Yeah. You learn from each other. So that's that's happening uh, the 17th of September. I know they, they have uh, an investigation set up at a place called the Curtis House Inn in Connecticut. Um, that uh, The special guest they have is Dustin Powery from Ghost Hunters is going to be there. Um, that's a really, really great location. It's an old inn up in Connecticut. I forget what city it's in. Um, we did it a few uh, a few 
weeks back with um, with Tony Spera and Judy Spera and Tony's uh, the son-in-law of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who people know oh, from the Conjuring yep. movies. And so they um, they were there. And this is an interesting thing if, if for people who like or believe in Echo Box. John Zappis, who is the mm-hmm. nephew to Ed and Lorraine Warren, says he gets Ed Warren coming through using Echo Box quite a bit. Wow. I've been with him on a few occasions when I've heard Ed come through. I've heard the name Warren come through. Mm-hmm. Um, some people that I know are skeptical believe that that's because it's taking those words and then regurgitating them later. Yeah. Um, so that's being hypothesized, not theorized, because it's not been proven yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end, it's interesting because it goes back to what I said before, was when you have hits and misses, nobody can explain the misses compared to the hits. They can only debunk the hits, which yeah. is convenient. It's um, so you don't want to go that route. <laughs> um, so we were there in, uh, in the basement, the bar area, uh, and Robert Bandoff was there with Sandra Bandoff from Barefoot, and he was, he was rolling video. I also have audio of it. And so Ed Warren was uh, known to have been a very uh, tough guy, very, you know, straightforward. And supposedly he uh, would nickname her, his pet name for a lot of people was Asshole. <laughs> and so... We were trying to communicate, and his daughter was there with her husband, Tony. Judy Spare was there. And um, we were trying to do sessions and stuff, and we kept hearing the name Ed come through. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, now nah, I don't want to leave the witness, but if you know, if this is Ed Warren, what's the word that Johnny tells you not to call people? <laughs> and it, it clearly says asshole. No way. So is there a doubt? Behind the legitimacy of that, I don't know. Maybe again, you know, there's uh, there's those who don't believe in the apps. They think that the apps are, are regurgitating stuff. Um, they haven't been able to prove it to me or to anybody using it that I know of yet. Um, the timing for me, at least, knowing that I don't know everything, right, and knowing that this is a learning curve as much as it is an application of experience. Yep. To me, I always try to at least grade what I'm getting on environmental control can i rule out that it was a person in the room and even with evp like if i if i if i tag every whisper or everything i hear and then i get something that i didn't hear nobody tagged it mm-hmm. that that levels it up in credibility because i was tagging everything else right so environmental control timing and relevance you know if you if you hear what sounds like chocolate you know uh you know maybe maybe it's pareidolia this yep. is the other thing that, that the skeptical side will go with, and it's a legitimate concern. I'm not trying to uh, discredit pareidolia or, or the fact that it happens. But the problem is is that pareidolia, for a lot of people whose agenda is driven by just debunking stuff, becomes their ace in the hole. It's just it's what they throw down to not have to fully explain their position, but just say this is what it is. Agreed, yeah. And, and, and does that happen? Absolutely does. But it, it, you can't just throw it down and say, well, this is what it is. Um, because there's a lot of times I want to hear what I want to hear and I don't hear it. <laughs> so um, so that's, that's an interesting thing to me because you have the timing and the relevance. That was the exact word that he would say. And then it came through when we asked. Um, I've done multiple choice before. There's a place called Beekman Arms in New York State. Um, there were three of us in the one library room, and I was like, how did you, because you don't know what, 
if you're talking to a spirit, you don't know what, from what time period they're from. Or So I was like, how did you travel? By car, by horse, by boat? And it said, a female voice said, not by horse. That's an interesting question. I've never thought of that. I try to do stuff sometimes. Like, I, everybody asks stupid questions. Uh, we all sometimes, when it's our turn during a session, uh, we have a brain fart, and we come <laughs> out with a question that we want to slap ourselves with a premise over. I get it. We, we all do it. <laughs> yep. But when I'm cognizant of what I'm saying, I like to try to come out with something that would be difficult to have, like, you know, paranoia is, is, is people are saying that your brain is, you're, you're finishing the, the, the interaction. You're, you want to hear, what's my name? And it says cat, ah, because that's what you wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. But when you do a multiple choice thing, it's a little bit more of a stretch to say that it picked one of those things and paranoia gravitated towards the one. Right. I'm going to have to try and that. Then be, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So I, I try to just scrutinize at least, you know, and not just jump to everything's paranormal. But, you know, that's a multiple choice question. And it didn't say horse. It wasn't like Echovox said horse. It added the words not by. Right. So to me, that, that levels it up a little bit, too. So were you able to narrow it down with other questions? Um, I don't, I don't know if we went further on the question or not, to be honest, that was one of those instances when I thought I heard it in the moment Mm -hmm. and I was kind of taken by the fact that I thought it gave a word back. But then later on when I reviewed it, when I heard the full thing on the recording. I had an instance once where it was, um, a private investigation and, um, we had 98 people, just anybody wanted to show up and, uh. Wow. Every, every, yeah, it was a huge investigation. And everybody, you know, some people never investigated before. Others had, you know. So everybody in the room, because you had to break it down in four teams because 98 people are just too much. So everyone, <laughs> so everyone, oh, yeah, was a, they never even expected that many to show up. So everyone had a chance to ask a question. So everyone's doing the usual questions. Do you know you're dead? You know, right, right, right. What, what's your name? Well, this one gentleman, he had kind of a brain fart. And what came out was, do you like pie? No one could look at the man because if anybody made eye contact, we'd start laughing. <laughs> so that's always a question that I actually sometimes ask in my investigations is, do you like pie? But I've, I've never received any response to that so far. You know what's odd about that is that, and it's funny because when um, when I've done sessions with Flip, Flip Searles from That Is Not The End, mm-hmm. one of the things that he said that I always thought was true was, A, when you do these kind of things, you want to have some kind of energy and and give some kind of energy back because you're always telling spirits to come through, use energy, blah, blah, blah whatever. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to have this flat kind of like, oh, what's your name, and have no kind of energy because mm-hmm. then you're asking for something you're not even giving yourself. And if you think that there was any possibility that you're talking to someone who was once alive or someone who's able to communicate from another dimension or whatever, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, the last thing you want to do is come across like somebody that even the living don't want to talk to. Right. <laughs> for one. And for two, sometimes questions like that, like this is where, where Flip comes in. He'll say, you want to you wanna talk to somebody like it's somebody. You know, you, do you like pie? It's kind of silly, but at the same time, you know, it, it might be a little bit more probable to get an answer a little bit more personal on the conversational level than do you know you're dead 
Or because what yeah. if it is interdimensional and not somebody who's who maybe is passed on to another world and they don't know they're dead, it's just another dimension. Yep. And this and dead doesn't have a definition there, or time space not the same there. Hmm. Um one of the things I've always found is kind of funny is that a lot of times you'll hear people ask for numeric stuff like what year is it? What mm-hmm. year did you die? What year this? I have I'm not saying it doesn't happen. By all means, if you post this anywhere and someone puts comments up and they can give an example, I've never once ever in almost seven years of doing this heard somebody say 1912. I've never heard a number yeah. come through on any of those questions ever. Does it mean stop asking them? No, because if you get an answer to that, that would be freaking great. But I've never heard it come through. Matthew Schultz from the Queen Mary, he'll do stuff and he'll say, you know, would you prefer beer or wine? prefer yep. a cigar or a cigarette. And he's gotten responses on those doing EVP sessions, doing ITC sessions. I sometimes ask, too, what's your favorite color? Yeah, I mean, that's sometimes it seems like a very basic, mundane kind of a thing to ask, but if, if you're communicating with somebody, whether you may or may not be familiar with them, if they were alive or whatever, again, we don't know, right? Right. The question, if it begs some kind of interest, it sparks some kind of interest in them, Cause every, and you're actually communicating, then, then it's a good question. Because usually we always ask the same questions, you know, what's your name, what's my name, how many people are here, you know. So if you can shake up the questions a little bit sometimes, I find yeah. that makes it interesting for potentially making contact. You know, you never know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that's people use trigger objects, trigger, trigger sayings. There's different there's different ways to try that it's all experimental we don't know like uh, like when Matthew does the tours of the Queen Mary he'll say to the group how do they get their voices how do spirits get their voices on our recorders when we do EVP mm-hmm. and then nobody says anything and some of you go uh, I don't know and he goes yeah well that's the answer we don't know how they imprint their voices on the thing we don't know how we get it yep. three people could ask questions be right next to each other and then you get an EVP on one question and only one of the recorders has it. Could it have to do with the hertz level it's coming in at? Could it have to do with the vibrational level? Could it have to do with, you know, sound waves? And, and there's a variety of reasons that could explain it, perhaps. But sometimes it's the same recorders on the same settings, and it still doesn't come out of mobile. We've actually had where we split up the team uh, on different locations of wherever we're investigating. And so everyone has a voice recorder and say, my team, my part of the team would ask a question. We don't pick up anything over here, but the other people in the other part of the building actually get the response. And then they kind of look at each other and go, what was that? And then later on, it's like, oh, no, that was a, that was the reply to my question, which is very interesting. Yeah. And that's, and so something like that, you always kind of want to, you know, you want to look at it. Like, that's what I was talking about, like, timing and relevance. Like, yep. if, if I ask for an ice cream flavor and I get vanilla, right after I ask it, whether it's EVP or ITC or whatever it is, to me, that's relevant. And the statistical probability becomes even more remote because it's exactly when I ask for it. Right. And and then so that's – I try to use that as a barometer for how legit the evidence might be. Now, if you go to the other side of the coin where you go, well, you know, the – the, the gambler's mentality. Well, if you stay at the table long enough, you're going to get a hit. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Fair enough. Well, then, yeah. then, then what differentiates between the time I said, well, you like beer or wine, or what's my name, or I asked that the same question before and I got nothing, and the time I got something? Mm-hmm. It can't all be random chance. That's that's the assertion when, when the evidence to support the the idea that it's just 
paranoia and it's just, you know, the gambler's mentality to sit there long enough, when it lacks in being able to substantiate itself, then that's that's what you get is you get that, well, if you stay there long enough, you're going to get what you want. Yep. Listen, I've, I've gone through investigations and not gotten anything I wanted. Yeah, I think we've all had that. It's, it's frustrating. I, mean, I explain that. <laughs> yeah. So when, when you do your investigations, do you also look at what the weather is like, like barometric pressure and everything? Uh, well, some I, teams I'll keep do. An eye on that sometimes. I, I believe that that's part of the equation. We may not understand how it fits in yet. That's why some of the devices read those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why when you look at evidence, that's one of the reasons why for people who maybe don't know this stuff and listening, that's why a lot of the toys and gadgets are kind of employed at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because the all branches of science, whether they believe in paranormal stuff or not, We'll say that energy can't be created or destroyed, right? So one of the ideas is is that when something moves by itself or you get a vocal tone or whatever, that the energy used to do that could be converted from thermal energy, and that's why you get that mysterious cold spot that you get, and then until you get a reading on that, and that's different, and then at the same time that something moves, whatever, and you're, and you're using these things to kind of correlate and then try to establish patterns. You know, there's a difference in the barometric pressure. Yep. At the same time, there's an EMF spike, and at the same time, you get an EVP and something moves, whatever. You're trying to triangulate or trying to, you're trying to correlate different pieces of evidence to support that something happened and maybe try to create or figure out, you know, why and how these things occur or recur. Very true. So, I'm just a student. Oh, so I'm am just, I. I'm still, I'm, just a, I'm still learning so much. Uh, you've got a lot more experience investigating than I do. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's funny because one of the things that's cool about this stuff is, at least, you know, for, for, the, for the real hardcore enthusiast, let's say, no matter how many times you do this, no matter how many times you get or don't get evidence or whatever, the first time you hear or the hundredth time you hear an EVP, it's mind-blowing. It's, it's, it's totally, it's, it's a whole it world moment. And to be honest, like, that's my answer. You probably heard me uh, say this before in the past when anybody else has asked me. Is that I never say that I'm a believer or a skeptic. I always say I'm an investigator. I, I want to know, to the best of my ability or the people I'm with ability, the truth of what I'm getting or experiencing at that place at that moment. Right. Because I can't prove the place is haunted or not because you might go and get nothing. I might go and get something. Then you go again and get something. I go back, I get nothing. Right. Yeah. So, and when you've had stuff debunked or you've been able to explain things away rationally let's not leave that part out <laughs> rationally and then you finally get something that can't be rationally explained away it gives it even more value because you've not been able to do that before if you had a piece of advice for someone starting out what would you tell them uh, learn from everywhere you can so uh, people are critical of those who learn from the tv shows Yep. Do the TV shows have any educational value? Yeah, they do. There's some stuff you can learn from that. Um, of course, it's when something's produced for entertainment, you know, there's a certain level of how they cut it and edit it and stuff, and, and, and people are skeptical of that, and I understand that. Um, but I would say, I mean, just, I would say two things. I would say learn and enjoy. Uh, learn, because if, you, if you're interested in something like this, like, that's what I love about this, stuff. there's endless possibilities of books in classes and and uh, you know i know how to do this thing and i do this well and i enjoy doing this and then i meet someone who teaches me a different way to do it or introduces me to a new app or or a piece of equipment or whatever 
So that's what keeps it fresh and new, right? And, and this is a relationship. You have a relationship with the field. You have a relationship with the people in the field. And so what's the thing that you get when you get relationship advice? Keep it fresh. Keep it exciting. Keep it new. And I think this is a way to do that and keep people positive and engaged in that way. Um, and I also believe in fun. Um Oh, again, I agree wholeheartedly. Yes, yes. I'm going to reference Flip Searles again because he's hilarious. <laughs> he is. But you have to, you have to have some kind of enjoyment with it. A, you're not getting. We're not making money doing this. Nobody's getting rich doing this. If there's a way you can make money doing a show or people who lecture or teach like that, by all means, I, you know, I, I'm not against it. You know, if you have something of value and people were to pay for it, that's how my marketplace works. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. But as an investigator, for the most part, we're not getting paid to go out to these places and do these investigations. It's a passion thing. Yes. And and so not just the whole energy attracts like energy and being positive thing, but also it's it's part of having, you know, the, the experience be fun and positive. You're not guaranteed evidence, right? So when I do something with Ghost Magnets for the Twist, first of all, there are nice people, and these, these are people who have like a family-oriented kind of mentality towards stuff. So... You have a you have a positive experience through that kind of interaction for one, um, which I think is important. And for two, when I when I do stuff and they'll they'll have me stationed like in the basement at the Curtis house, whatever, um, for the night, and then groups will come through and they'll each take a turn doing sessions with me down there. That's part of the experience, right? They pay for a ticket. They're not guaranteed evidence. If you can show some evidence that you got in here before, or you got in somewhere else. If you can show them an enjoyable time. They're not going home going, this sucks, this is bullshit, I didn't get an EVP, <laughs> nothing poked me, nobody got possessed, I didn't see stuff flying off the shelves, yeah. nobody turned red, I'm probably exaggerating now with turning red, um, <laughs> but you give them a good experience, and that's, that's you know, if they're buying a ticket for something, I think that's part of what you want to make sure happens. Yeah. Interesting. So, we're at the end, already. Huh? We're I'm chatty. I, oh no, it, it's okay. <laughs> That's what the show's about. We let people go and just talk. Uh, yeah, I've been on both sides of the of the interview process. Yeah. And, and when when you get a chance to talk to somebody and then and ask questions and stuff, it's you know, I, I always I like if I if this was reversed and I'm interviewing you, I would want to hear your thoughts and the experiences and stuff like that. So it's it's just out of habit. I feel like you know, this is an opportunity that I've been raced with and I appreciate that you gave to me to, to talk to an audience of one person, a million people, whatever it is, it doesn't matter to me. It's, it's an opportunity to talk and share my experience and so that's that's a little bit of giving back to the community, I feel. Well, I'm very, very happy to have you on. Um, like like we said in the beginning, it was it was a tough go there in the beginning. Yeah. But we yeah, did we it. Were being, we were being thwarted by natural disasters and <laughs> storm fronts and cell cycles and tornadoes. and It was brutal. Was it paranormal? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. So before we, we let you go, where can people find you? Ah, they can find me on the interwebs with a lot of other people. Um, <laughs> I like saying that. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> I have a I have a, a Facebook page under my name Ronnie Acabetti. Uh, I have Twitter with a twindle. I don't always use, but I sometimes use uh, Instagram occasionally. Um, mostly Facebook, and then I'm uh, I'm hoping to be uh, in a short time. I have a couple of show uh, ideas that I'm kind of working on, putting together. Uh, one of which is going to be 
uh, what I feel kind of like spotlighting or, or, or highlighting people who are in this field. And, um, and so I'm excited about doing that. So when I have that kind of stuff, I'll, I'll share it. And then like we all do for each other, we can sure. repost and share and yeah. put, a thumb, put a thumbs up on it. Yeah, you mentioned that before. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's just that the people in this community are what makes it great, right? So, yep, it's we rise you know, each other up. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a community. It, it, that's what it is, and so it's a field of study that has completely bloomed. Where this stuff used to be taboo, you would be lucky you can find a, a segment of like a unsolved mysteries or a segment on some random show every so often, and now. Everything is haunted in my haunted blender. It's, you know, <laughs> I lived with a ghost, celebrities with ghosts, the, you know, the housewives of ghost town. I, I, there's endless shows. Yeah, you it's know. everywhere. Queer Eye for the Ghost Guy. There's every, I probably created a show right there. You're welcome, Bravo Network. You're welcome. That's awesome. So it's, it's, it's a blooming field. And so a lot of us have an opportunity to do stuff like this. And, and I think that's great. For sure. Well, thanks again, Ron. I had a blast. Thank you. And you take care. You too. Thanks very much. And I encourage your listeners to keep supporting and following your show. Thank you. Because this has been a really fun experience. And I think that, you know, every time somebody takes the time to do something like this, I think that the people should support it. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> I hope there's more than just my family listening. <laughs> hey, that's okay. And I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. There are. Okay. Let's t- take care. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions or comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 